opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Chris Clow, an editor with HW Media, sitting in for Editor-in-Chief Sarah Wheeler on today's edition of Housing Wire Daily. Today, I'm joined by HW Media Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about legal action being taken by one lender against another for poaching LOs, how higher mortgage rates have led to a decline in purchase applications, and how a rise in purchase rates could herald a tightening of monetary policy by the Federal Reserve. James, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Much appreciated. Happy to be here. Um, So first up on the docket of conversation is about how Loan Depot is suing uh, its rival cross country for allegedly poaching numerous high performing loan officers, which is something that other competitors have accused the lender of before. What can you tell us about these latest developments? Yeah, this is a really interesting case, Chris, and, and there are a few different reasons that it's quite interesting. The first is, you guys might remember, only about a week ago, Loan Depot said they're going to be laying off about almost 5,000 workers. And so to be filing a, a case in federal court in the state of New York saying, you know, all, all these people were taken from us is um, interesting optics uh, if nothing else, just given you know what's what's happening in the industry out there. So, why don't we kind of break down a little bit more about why this lawsuit is happening and sort of the greater kind of focus on mortgage and the recruiting wars? So, first up, everybody knows mortgage is down, right? Really, since the beginning of the year, rates are way up. A lot of lenders just don't have the cash position and can't can't sell certain you know non QM products on the secondary market. We've seen mass layoffs at a lot of lenders, Loan Depot included, of course, and and so we're we're at this inflection point where, interestingly, a lot of underwriters and processors and people in operations are are being laid off and really struggling to find work. That is not necessarily the case for loan officers, and the reason is really quite simple. You know, in a lot of companies in general, when layoffs occur, they don't often lay off the salespeople. And the reason is super simple, Chris. The salespeople bring in the money. They are selling things. They are bringing in revenue. And, you know, especially in mortgage where, you know, a lot of the compensation comes from the form of, of bonuses and, you know, you produce X amount of loans, you get X amount of money, right? So so it's it's kind of within that framework that I think we should talk a little bit more about um, what's interesting about this case, recruiting in general. So during the pandemic, there was a lot of money being thrown at LOs to jump from one company to another. Big signing bonuses, um, you know, pretty advantageous financial arrangements for them. That is still occurring to a degree right now, even though the mortgage market is weighed down. You know, purchase business in particular is down, depending on who you talk to, about fifty percent, right? Um, but again, they need these people to make loans to get money, and so. Loan Depot is one of the biggest lenders in the country, and they have been for quite some time. And they have a you know distributed retail branch model, which means a lot of their LOs are pretty close to borrowers. And in certain states that originate a lot of business, these are top performers. In New York, the 
team that cross country is accused of poaching, their words, not mine, uh, accounted for about $846 million in originations last year. That's huge. That is really, 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 really big. <laughs> and, and so what cross country is doing, one, it's smart. And two, it's not unusual. Maybe they're a little bit more extreme than others in the recruiting wars. Um, but lots of other lenders are out there recruiting for at Lowe's. So what, what Loan Depot is, um, is, is, you know, fussed about is, is not unusual. Uh, but I mean, let, let's also not be mistaken. They, they were hit really hard. So 32 staffers, uh, left Loan Depot over a series of months beginning this year and have joined cross country and cross country has been spending a ton of money. They received about $400 million in debt financing to expand and they have done so. They have recruited teams in New York, New Jersey, in, in a lot of areas in which, you know, we're still seeing, um, pretty strong purchase markets. So this is, um, it's not unusual, but the tone of the lawsuit is maybe perhaps a little bit, um, <laughs> saltier than most, you know, Lone Depot talks a lot about, um, some of these folks that, that were taken from them, yeah, had been there for 10 years. And, um, and it's interesting because, you know, it, it really starts to, to kind of, enter that territory where you question loyalty, right? I mean, you, you don't bring in this idea that someone's been here for X amount of time um, unless you think that's a major sticking point and, and that they should have been there for even longer, if not for, you know, the the actions of a, of a, a hungry rival. Um, but there's not a lot of loyalty in mortgage. You know, this is an industry in which every three or four years, huge numbers of people are hired and then a few years later, they're fired, right? Like that's that's how the industry works. And so, you know, for Loan Depot to to get up there and and send a message to the LO community that they're going to go after you and they're going to go after the lender that took you, um, even though you know they're laying off five thousand people this year, I think is is it's rich. Yeah, and I'm curious about how that combines um, just in terms of your perspective, because of course, in the US, workers are allowed to leave one company and go to another, regardless of the industry that they're active in, especially if they receive a better offer. So in terms of the cultural component that you briefly touched on there, why would this activity be considered improper to the extent that Loan Depot is alleging, especially like you said, since they're planning on cutting a lot of jobs anyway? So most... Most lenders require their LOs to sign agreements that they will not, you know, remove property, remove intellectual property specifically, that they will not take uh, lists of potential clients or borrowers when they do uh, join a new firm, that they won't recruit once they do get to that new firm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not, not for me to say whether, whether any of these things occurred or, or what those agreements even look like, uh, between the people who left Loan Depot for cross country. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's also true, Chris, that, uh, very few courts in New York will recognize someone, um, you know, violating <laughs> like certain tenants of an employment agreement because there is this, prevailing idea that people should have the freedom to work, you know, within the industry in which they're most qualified. And, uh, I, again, not a lawyer, please do not take any legal advice from me. Um, I am, but a humble, uh, scribe of the mortgage world. Uh, but having said that I, I would be very surprised 
if, um, you know, simply leaving Lone Depot to join cross country were, uh, something that, that would be, um, you know, that Lone Depot would win that kind of lawsuit. Now, if somebody took intellectual property, if they did something improper, it is very possible um, that, you know, this this could proceed and they could be held liable for it. Um, but also keep in mind, you know, that they were recruited uh, by a large company. Cross country is, is no small fry in the mortgage world and they're getting bigger by the day. And I would bet that they would be providing legal support to any of the LOs or other staffers that joined, uh, you know, from Lone Depot. So they're, they're not going to be fighting, you know, Goliath when, when they have just a rock, you know, they'll have the resources of, of cross country's lawyers. And also keep in mind, cross country has been sued uh, several times before for having, you know, allegedly poached and been heavily aggressive in their recruiting strategies. So um, they're going to be pretty familiar with, uh, with some of the complaints that Lone Depot's lawyers are throwing at them. And I'm sure that they'll have, you know, arguments ready and, and um, all kinds of uh, legal resources for them if they need. Sure. And it seems like it would be a pretty high burden of proof to, uh, you know, bring to bear on the, on some of these allegations. But another thing that we talked about a little bit before we started recording is just the commonality of this. What can you tell me about how common this kind of activity is across the business? Well, people get new jobs all the time. You know, um, it's it's definitely the norm, especially in sales positions. And, and I would argue that sales positions are, are the places where people are most likely to leave because, you know, they, they can use those skills for for so many different types of industries. And, and at least in, in, in terms of mortgage, Maybe it's because a new lender gives you a better deal, or maybe because they offer more training, or because they have certain products that you're not getting at your current place of business. And so LOs are are often very opportunistic, and and they'll leave. And and you know, in other cases, maybe maybe their boss joins a new company, and they say, okay, this is um, you know, this is someone that we've identified that we want to bring with us. We want to see if they're interested, you know, and so. In other cases, maybe they're just trying to stay ahead of the layoff that might be occurring at their their uh, former place of business. So there are a lot of reasons that LOs move. Um, it is it is a business kind of defined by highs and lows, and um, you know when when pipelines are a little bit more cleared out, there's less reason to stick around, and, and you're probably looking for other opportunities where you're worried. Hey, you know when when you notice that your underwriters and processors no longer have much work to do. Um, I would consider, you know, looking around, right. Nobody wants to be the one without the chair when the music stops. So it's, it's pretty common. And, and again, as I said earlier, Chris, a, a lot of, a lot of companies are still recruiting pretty heavily for these types of sales position and, and not just the, you know, the traditional, um, well, these days they're kind of the traditional lenders, right? But but not just the IMPs. We're talking about depository banks. We're talking about credit credit unions. We're talking about all kinds of lenders in the mortgage space that that are still looking opportunistically at finding sales professionals. But that is not the case if you're in processing or if you're in underwriting or if you're in you know uh, other related parts of the business that are not sales. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well. Moving along to the next topic, it's likely not going to come as a huge surprise that economic uncertainty has led to a decline in mortgage activity. A new builder application survey from the MBA recently revealed that applications to buy new home construction dropped 12% in June because of economic uncertainty and higher rates. What can you tell me about this? 
So again, similar trend line, right? You know, and and uh, we, we talked a little bit about this with Logan Motoshami yesterday on the podcast, but builders are business people and they are not, you know, doing workforce housing. They are not constructing, you know, because the, the, uh, the broader economy says that we have a housing deficit, all of which is true. They're building because they are chasing profit margins. They're building because, uh, they have a lot of constraints in a lot of areas, particularly regarding zoning. Um, and they are seeing an uptick in cancellations. They are seeing, uh, you know, higher mortgage rates really erode some of the purchasing power. And, and just given the cycle that it takes to build, you know, they, they don't just snap their fingers and the home is built and it can be financed and done. And so, you know, when you qualify for a mortgage or, or you, you sign that initial contract to work with a builder to get your dream home or, you know, whatever your, your next house. Um, and then you get to the closing table or you get near it, you know, we're talking like, well over a year in a lot of cases, in most cases. And and so much has changed in the mortgage industry. You know, like even think back to December, the kinds of conversations that we were having in the newsroom and 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 the the questions we had about builders and their ability to even build these homes uh, were very different than they are now. And so builders are a lot more pessimistic. They're concerned, you know, they they see the same economic data that we see. They know that Mortgage rates are taking a huge bite out of, uh, you know, consumer demand. They know that um, we're seeing layoffs start to tick up, and even though job growth is, is at least last month uh, was better than expected. So, you know, I, I think a lot of them are kind of sitting around and they're they're looking at the tea leaves, they're reading them, and saying, you know, we still have all of this that we're we're in construction on, you know, and and we're going to clear those out before we start looking at you know, the few months of supply they have that they haven't even touched um, because we just don't know what the, the building uh, climate is going to look like in in a few months down the road. And and um, we still have so many open questions about inflation. We have so many open questions about mortgage rates and, and about kind of, you know, how bad layoffs are going to get before the Fed changes course on on their tightening economic policy. And so, yeah, I, I think we're, we're probably going to continue to see a more normalized market for new home construction. And, and keep in mind, again, as Logan said yesterday on the podcast, they're competing with existing home sales, right? They're they're competing against um, you or I who might be willing to list our home. And so um, they're, they're going to be thinking with their wallet. And I, I think they're probably going to be seeing a, you know, a, a continuing decline in builder confidence and the amount of homes that they're willing to put the hammer to and, and start construction on. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me that over the past couple of years, builders have kind of taken it on the chin based on different reasons. You know, maybe a year, year and a half ago, we heard all of these uh, discussions about supply chain issues that led to an increase in the cost of materials. And now it seems like the pendulum has swung the other way in terms of, uh, demand. Do you think that they've kind of taken it on the chin? No, I, not not really. You know, last year was probably the best year ever for uh, home builders, at least when you look at profit margins and, and you look at, um, you know, certain factors like, yes, the supply chain is has been problematic. It, it will probably remain problematic for, for some time. That is a reality that they have to adjust to. Um, but But they were making, you know, 30% profit margins in a lot of cases last year. And, and, um, you know, that's because there was so much demand. I mean, they could basically 
charge what they wanted to charge and, and see what the market would yield. And now again, you look at the cancellation rate, you look at uh, just the buyers that they would be working with don't have the same purchase power that they did a year ago. Um, even if their jobs remain steady, you know, they're looking at 10% inflation and, and depending on the region and job and, and what kind of their 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 life looks like, it can be much higher, right? Um, and, and then the fact that mortgage rates, especially on the upper end, are going to account for a much greater share of, um, you know, what, what they can finance. And home builders are not, you know, they're not building $250,000 homes, right? Like, they're mostly in the 500K and up club. And so, you know, we're, we're also talking about a stock market that has, has taken a pretty big hit. And so, you know, demand is cooling, but home builders are going to be okay. I'm not going to be crying for the executives at KB Home or Lennar or DR Horton or, or any of those folks. You know, they're, they're going to be doing a-okay. It, it will, despite their, uh, you know, they're groveling about um, demand sinking they're going to be okay. Now, if a huge recession comes, we're looking at double digit unemployment, we're looking at, you know, huge systemic problems in, in terms of people having jobs, um, and there is no demand, then they're going to be stuck with a bit of inventory that um, they can't do a whole lot with. And that will be problematic. But, you know, unless things get quite bad, I think we'll, at a baseline, just see a fairly normal home building market. Sure. Yeah. And the last time, of course, uh, we went through an economic crisis, it had an accumulative effect on uh, on the availability of inventory years later up through today. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and if you look at the last decade, Chris, we just haven't built a whole lot of houses. Right. You know, we're only starting to finally get back to, you know, building an appropriate number. And, and we're not ever going to get to really building the number of homes that we need at at least at scale and at cost, uh, until we we seriously reckon with some of the zoning issues that we have in this country, and and you know how difficult it is to build, um, you know, single family or multifamily in a lot of places. Sure. Yeah. Well, MBA goes on to estimate in the survey results that roughly one hundred thousand fewer single family homes were sold in June, making for about a fifteen percent drop when directly compared to the prior month. What do those numbers tell you about the severity of effect on the business at the moment? Well, you know, it's it's definitely a dip for home builders. They're not going to be happy about selling fewer homes. They're not going to be happy about cancellations. But I, I think when when they look at the big picture, they'll say that, you know, this isn't creating a huge hole in their business either. They're they're not looking at like a 50% cancellation rate. You know, they're they're still looking at you know, relatively low numbers. And in a lot of those cases, Chris, they're, um, you know, they're, they're folks that had maybe just signed contracts on, on homes that have either just started construction or haven't even begun construction yet. And so they're so early on in that cycle. Again, it takes so long to build a house in America um, that that's probably not a huge concern. And they'll, they'll just look to find, you know, a buyer a little bit further down the road. Sure. Excellent. Well, thank you for that overview. Our last major topic concerns an increase in purchase mortgage rates. We just saw based on coverage that went live this morning on Housing Wire that those rates increased for the second consecutive week, but at a slower pace as observers and stakeholders were mulling over both the latest inflation data as well as the expectation of a change in monetary policy coming from the Federal Reserve. How did the rates shake out most recently and what do you think is behind this week's slower growth pace? So the rates checked in, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say it was 554 
5.54%, uh, at least on the, the Freddie Mac PMMS, which again, as I hope everybody listening now knows, is only purchase mortgages. This does not include refis. This is you know purely the purchase game. And um, yeah, I, I would expect that rates are probably, that they were going to be around this this rate, you know, they were going to jump uh, a little bit from last week, which you know kind of fell actually because of fears of inflation largely. Um, and and the the real question is going to be what happens uh, during the Fed meeting next week. There are a lot of people who are clamoring for the Federal Reserve to raise uh, you know a hundred basis points. I, I think more likely it's going to be seventy five basis points, but but the the name of the game is they need to control inflation. And until inflation is under control and businesses have a very clear impact of, of how that is affecting their bottom line and consumers, and they can start planning a little bit more medium and long term, um, I think we're going to continue to see generally somewhat volatile uh, market movements. And, um, you know, for a little while, they've been kind of, you know, on the secondary side, they've been kind of baking in this rate into that cake, right? So. Um, we're going to see probably in the mid fives, two sixes for the time being, but um, depending on what happens next week at, at the Federal Reserve's FOMC meeting, um, you know, who knows if, if they jump a hundred basis points, you know, the cost of borrowing, of course, increases. But again, like you're, you're trading that for a little bit more stability and, um, you know, a signal that the Fed is very, very, very seriously considering, um, you know, uh, not extreme, but appropriate measures to control inflation. If it's 75 basis points, I think we're probably going to see more of the same. So we'll see. Well, based on what the newsroom has been covering and even your own conversations, what do you think the industry is most bracing for coming out of the Federal Reserve meeting? That they're not going to act strongly enough. Um, you know, the consensus seems to be 75 basis points. Um, and and again, that, that just creates uh, a market climate in which maybe it's working a little bit, but um, you're just really kicking the can down the road unless you see real signs that um, the CPI is is changing significantly. And, and of course, we're going to be looking uh, at layoff numbers and, and uh, a lot of different macro data that, that kind of, you know, tracks very closely with, um, you know, with, with broader economic trends. Great. Excellent. Well, James, that's pretty much all I had for you in terms of this conversation. Um, what do people have to look forward to from the newsroom in the coming days? Yeah, Chris, we have one story that I think people will get really excited about, um, especially the nerds out there who are um, paying close attention to what's happening in the non-QM market. Obviously, we've seen a lot of volatility, a lot of trouble, a lot of very choppy waters uh, and and very abrupt shutdowns, right? First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation, Suddenly they went under uh, Sprout out of nowhere. Suddenly they went under, and um, and and you have a lot of a lot of people who who um, you know, didn't end up selling their home that day or, or buying their new home, and and hundreds of people out of work, and a lot of questions about uh, the stability of that corner of the market. And so we have a deep dive by uh, senior reporter Bill Conroy, and he's been looking at are there others? How bad is it in in uh, the non-QM space right now and, um, and and what kind of economic conditions would lead to it improving or deteriorating further. So I, I would definitely uh, ask everybody to check that out. We're probably going to be publishing it on Monday, I would guess. 
So definitely give that a read when it goes live. Great. Excellent. Well, Managing Editor James Kleiman, thank you so much for being a part of this. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. And uh, listeners, thanks thanks for tuning in and feel free to uh, join us next time on Housing Wire Daily. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.